So I just said, well, I want to be a teacher forever, so I'm going to go do that right away. And so you can imagine sort of my head down, focused on just achieving these milestones without actually picking my head up and thinking, is this really what you want to do? Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you create a more fulfilling career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and successfully make a major career change. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you take your own brave steps to improve your career and life. Today, my guest is going to talk about how she relaunched her career from being a high school teacher to becoming a site reliability engineer for Dropbox. We'll discuss the downside of setting rigid goals and how to apply design thinking to inform your next career move. Afterwards, I'll share a few thoughts on the benefits and limitations of setting goals. Hello and welcome. Now, before we start with today's interview, for any listeners in the London, England area, on the evening of Thursday, the 17th of August, I'm given another free talk on managing the emotions of changing careers. This is the same talk I gave back in April at General Assembly London and again in June in San Francisco, and they've asked me to give the talk again. I'll be explaining the seven stages of career change, debunking some career change myths, and also sharing insights from a few of the podcast guests here on how to successfully overcome the common challenges to making a major career change. I always enjoy connecting with listeners like you face to face. So if you missed my talk in April and you want to join me on the evening of Thursday, the 17th of August, I'd love for you to come hear my talk, ask me any questions you have, or just network with some people afterwards. You can register to join the event for free at careerrelaunch.net slash August 2017. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash August 2017. You can also go to my Facebook page at facebook.com slash careerrelaunch, or you can go to the events tab for the registration link. Okay, on to today's interview. I'm speaking today with Chriselle Hardson-Hurley. Chriselle is a former high school mathematics and language teacher, now working as a site reliability engineer at Dropbox. With an eye for design and a love for problem solving, she's passionate about building tools that support learning, collaboration, and productivity, as well as advocating for matters related to education and equity. Now, Chriselle's got some really useful insights from her own career journey, and will be sharing some unique perspectives on how you can apply design thinking to your career. You can also find links to her very useful articles on how she managed to make her own career change at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 23. Chriselle spoke with me from San Francisco. So Chriselle, thanks so much for joining me here on Career Relaunch. And I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on how you can apply design thinking to your career and the steps you took to shift from teaching to the tech industry. So I was wondering if we could start off though, by having you just tell us a little bit about Dropbox and your role there. Thanks, Joseph, so much for having me. I'm super excited to share my experiences from my own personal career launch. Currently working at Dropbox, which is a cloud data company where we store your data inside the cloud so that you can access it from anywhere on any of your devices. And so the role that I'm currently in is I'm a SRE or site reliability engineer. I'm sort of a hybrid between a software engineer and a system administrator. I'm focused on making sure all the systems that Dropbox depends on are reliable and that Dropbox is always available for our users. So I utilize code to automate all the processes to make sure that those things happen. I know there's a lot of different roles there at Dropbox. How did you decide on becoming an SRE versus other sorts of roles there at Dropbox? 
frankly, I was really looking for a really great learning opportunity. I sort of landed in the SRE role because the program was designed around bringing up people who were making a career change as apprentices in this type of role. I was really looking for something that would allow me to learn and be engaged in design conversations. And then also at Dropbox, we're constantly trying to make our product better and trying to make it more reliable, more available, and just create a better user experience for our users. And so that really forces you to be engaged in these critical conversations around problem solving and design. And so SRE sort of allowed me to do that from all different avenues. Now, I know, Chriselle, you haven't always been a site reliability engineer. Can you give us a glimpse into your former life as a high school teacher back in San Diego? So prior to me becoming an SRE at Dropbox, I was teaching for about six years. Um, and five of those years were in San Diego, California. When I went into college, I immediately pursued the route of becoming a math teacher. I had always been very strong in math. Both my parents were math majors. I thought, okay, this is the right path for me. And so I ended up pursuing that route. And the issue with that is that I don't think that I spent a lot of time thinking critically about whether that was a job I wanted to do. I didn't know a lot about it. You know, all of us go through school, we all see teachers work. We don't always know everything that goes into the profession of teaching. And although I had seen my mom go through it, most of my experience with her was watching her as an administrator. So I didn't always have a clear view into the classroom. And so as I got to the end of my program at university, typically when you're finishing a credential program, you go into what's called student teaching. And that's sort of like an apprenticeship for teachers where you work under a master teacher and you learn the ropes. And so as I'm in this program, I'm thinking, okay, like this is pretty challenging. I could probably do it. I wasn't sure if it was for me. And I think that's pretty typical of new teachers. I think a lot of new teachers get in, they're like, this is very hard. This is harder than I expected. And typically other teachers will tell you, give it, give it some time. You'll get the hang of it. Give it a couple years and you'll really know whether this is the right place for you. Was there anything in particular that made you a little bit uneasy about doing the teaching that you were doing? Part of the reason that I ended up leaving was that teaching itself, in addition to this idea of wanting to grow myself, is that it was really exhausting me. And at the core, I wasn't getting everything out of it in order to really feel fulfilled. In that instance, I was able to tell that because my behavior was demonstrating it. I started to do a lot of side projects. You know, the little free time that I did have, I would take on these little projects, things like event planning and cake decorating. And, you know, I ended up taking a coaching position at my job. And I think I was doing that to sort of mitigate this feeling of um, lack of professional and personal growth, right? So I'd say, I'll just take on all this other stuff and maybe I can find it there. And eventually that really led me to just be very exhausted. And I ended up in a position where I took a coaching position and I made a commitment that the expectation was that I do that for a very, very long time and, and might end my career in this particular position. And I think that was a very important moment for me because I really had to confront 
the fact that I wasn't getting everything I needed out of that career. That was sort of the defining moment for me where I decided that it was time to make a change. What was the difference between this point of exhaustion and some of those, I guess, mental rumblings that you had been feeling before? I think at this point, the side projects weren't even doing it for me anymore. You know, they were not even helping to make me feel fulfilled. Those two were over exhausting to me. And so I really felt this pull to see what else is out there. And I was confronted by the fact towards the end there that I hadn't really thought critically up front about the choice I was making to go down this path. And so I knew that I needed to take more time to think about it. And I think when you get to that low point of exhaustion, you start to question all your choices. And and that's sort of what happened. One of the things that you had mentioned, I think it was in your webinar you gave for Women Who Code, was that you mentioned having your head down, focused toward achieving your goal. What exactly did you mean by that? Once I got into university, I went to the University of San Diego, they asked you to declare a major. And I immediately declared math major with the intent on becoming a teacher without even really thinking about it. And I was very determined during that time to finish both my credential and my my double major that I ended up getting in four years. And so at that point, I sort of put my head down and I really focused on reaching the end goal of you will get your degree in four years. It will be in math and Spanish with a teaching credential, and then you will go on to teach. That was what I was focused on. Um, I ended up going on and getting a master's because I knew within the teaching profession, you can actually move up the pay scale if you have a master's. And so I just said, well, I want to be a teacher forever, so I'm going to go do that right away. And so you can imagine sort of my head down, focused on just achieving these milestones without actually picking my head up and thinking, is this really what you want to do? Yeah, I've definitely been there myself, Chriselle. It's like you said this, like on the one hand, a goal can be really great, but then on the other hand, it can be a little bit limiting and it can prevent you from being able to see the other options that are out there. So I read a couple of your blog posts on Medium and the Hackbright Academy blog. And one of the things that struck me was how methodical you were about your approach to shifting from teaching into what you're doing right now. And so for the rest of the conversation, I'd love to dig in a little bit more into specifically how you applied design thinking to your career change, because I know that's something that you've talked about before. Could you just walk us through how you apply design thinking to your life and career? The idea of design thinking is that you identify a problem and then you move on to develop several prototypes that address this key problem that you have. And then you sort of go through this process of testing those different prototypes and keep iterating on the one that is ultimately chosen. And so this is a process that's actually used when you're designing anything from a coffee cup to a computer mouse. The problem that I sort of started with was this idea that I'm not fulfilled as a teacher. Um, And so I started to think about, okay, uh, well, what do I like about teaching? What don't I like? What are the other things that I'm doing addressing that teaching maybe is not? What are the 
central themes about those things that I can pull out and try to make into a career for myself. So ultimately, I sort of reframed that problem statement into, I need to find a career where I can use design because designing was very key to all of those different activities I was doing, uh, where I could problem solve on a day-to-day basis and where I could have impact. And there's this really fantastic book called Designing Your Life. There are any folks out there that are um, sort of looking for some more strategies on how to think through this process. That's a really great resource for you. What I ended up doing after sort of honing in around this problem statement of looking for design and problem solving and impact, I went forth and tried to create a list of what they call prototypes in the design world, where I say like, okay, these are the different careers that might be interesting to me. And uh, let me explore them a little bit. And that's the sort of testing part of this whole process. And so some of the careers I looked at was, you know, computer animation. I, you know, I grew up uh, in SoCal. I was really into watching animated films and Disney. Um, So I thought maybe I could go into that realm and become a computer animator because that blended technology and art and creativity and whatnot. Um, So I thought about that took an animation class. That was my way of testing whether that was going to be an appropriate direction to go. And I ended up not liking that and it wasn't for me. And so I pivot to another prototype. You know, as I mentioned before, I thought about doing some teacher training. I thought about going into tech as a product manager or an engineer. And the way that I went about testing those three is I just started to have conversations with people. I started to reach out to people in ed tech or just in tech in general, different employees, CEOs, things like that. And a couple of people that I came across were engineers within tech, not necessarily ed tech, but uh, within tech. And so they started to tell me about how they got to work on different projects and they were always constantly engaged in this idea of design thinking and problem solving. Ultimately, I learned about a boot camp called Hackbright Academy, uh, which is a software engineering boot camp. Uh, it's three months long and it actually um, allows people to make a career change into tech to become a engineer at the end. That was ultimately the route that I chose because when I went to speak to some folks at that school, I really felt that, you know, those things I was looking for were really going to be something that I would get out of an engineering career. And now one of the other things that you had talked about in in some of the articles that I, I read that you had written, this part where you're talking about testing prototypes is to test enough prototypes and wait till you have that moment when one of them just speaks to you. Can you just explain how you determined whether something was speaking to you or whether it was just something that you kind of thought was interesting. I had heard about this school called Hackbright and I went to an open house that they were hosting. I go in, I sit down, there's a bunch of other women there. It's an all women's school. Um, and they had a panel and on the panel was a teacher. And it's like everything I had said to everyone in my life about what I was looking for was coming out of this teacher's mouth in this moment. I think it's important as folks are out there and considering this career change that as you are talking to different people, if something jumps out at you, really piques your interest, really engages you, you know, you engage in an activity that time flies by and you don't even notice to really pay attention to that, because that is something really speaking out to you that this is a path worth 
looking into or possibly pursuing long term. Now, this process you're describing of applying design thinking to your career sounds very patient, very rigorous, very methodical, and it sounds like it really worked well for you. At the same time, it also sounds like it requires a lot of discipline and hard work. Was there any sort of tool you used to help you stay on track to keep track of this design process applied to your own career? I am sort of a type A person in the sense that I I like to write all of these ideas down and come up with a framework for myself. And I actually wrote a blog post that maybe we can link to later on. I saw that. That's exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, Where I describe how I thought about these things and how I broke it down. And in reference to a particular tool, I would say one that I really make use of still today is Trello, because I think it really allows you to encapsulate all of your different ideas into small cards that could then be moved around and edited. And I think if you're someone who's actually, you know, making a career change and you're going through the job search process, that you can use it to really have a good view. Um, It's almost like a board to look at where you can see your progress right in front of you. Well, that's a really good segue into how you landed your job at Dropbox. And I read your article on how you designed your career change on the Hackbright Academy blog and how you really hustled to land your job at Dropbox. And one of the things that you mentioned in there was about asking questions and asking intentional questions. Can you just explain what you meant by an intentional question? I had done all of this work of designing my career blueprint and really thinking critically about what I want. So by the time I was in front of the folks that would actually give me an opportunity to pursue that, I could tell my story very well because I had thought through it. I had really done the work to understand what I was looking for and I could communicate it very effectively. So I ended up meeting a woman who, you know, worked at Dropbox. She was the engineering manager, still is. And I just started talking to her about what she does. And what I found is that a lot of the common problems she faced, I had faced in my own project. And so we got in this really cool narrative after, you know, she and I had communicated over email several times. I saw her at a different event. And when I saw her, I realized how impactful she really was as a female leader in tech, which you don't see very often, frankly. And I was just really impressed and inspired by her. And so I just decided to ask, like, would you ever take a junior person? Because typically when you come out of these boot camps, you're at a very junior level. Then she happened to say, oh, we're, we're doing this program with a boot camp and it's going to be great. And then she sort of just walked away. And that was an important moment because I went home and I thought, you know, I should ask to be considered because otherwise no one's going to hand me this type of opportunity. I decided to send her an email and I said, hey, you know, I'm really inspired by you. I would love to work for you. I'll do whatever it takes. If there's ever an opportunity, please let me know. And because I stepped out to ask that very poignant and audacious question, she was so impressed by by that, that she ultimately invited me to come and interview. And then eventually I was very lucky to land the position. What's one thing that you've learned about what it takes to make a career change into the tech industry that you wished that you had known before? The biggest thing is your network. 
that summer I talked about earlier, where I spent the entire summer just pushing out my resume, I was not successful because I did not have a network here. And so the most important thing and choice that I made was to move up here and start building my network. And I think it really does help when you know someone who can vouch for you and say, hey, yeah, she's really awesome. She would be a great addition to our team. And unfortunately, that's the tough part because a lot of people may not know anyone at a particular company or within the industry. It really is, at the end of the day, a lot of the times about who you've connected with or what people know about you, whether it be through someone else or via what you put out into the world online. And so that's something that I put a lot of emphasis on and I focus a lot on is just making sure my online presence really shows who I am as a whole person and what I care about. Because sometimes it may not be about who you know, but it may be about someone seeing something that you did or you wrote about and that piquing their interest and ultimately leading you to a, an amazing opportunity. Yeah, I think that's really important. And again, I know you touched on that in your article is just making sure that the message that you convey is consistent with your online narrative, I think is what you are alluding to there. Now, before we go, I also wanted to touch on a project I know you're really passionate about, which is the Bethune Project. Can you wrap up by just telling us a little bit more about that? So the Bethune Project is this amazing project that started this past year in during Black History Month. And it was actually started by the great-grandson of Mary McLeod Bethune, who in the United States was a civil rights activist. And one of the things that he noticed was that there were a lot of negative imagery around African-American men in the United States. And what he wanted to do was really turn that over and offer people a repository or collection of positive images of Black men. So if you go to thebethuneproject.com or you go to the Bethune Project on Instagram, you can see just this collection of these amazing images of um, Black men. It's a photo project. I encourage everyone out there to check out the project, follow it, and uh, to support this amazing work that he's doing. Well, thanks so much for letting us know about the Bethune Project. We'll definitely include a link to the Bethune Project in the show notes, along with a link to your articles, which I think do a really great job of walking people through exactly how you made this career change, the tools you used, the steps you took, how you apply design thinking to your career search. But in addition to that, where can people go to learn more about you? They can go to Chriselle. Dot me. So that's K-R-I-S-H-E-L-L-E dot me. And that has all the links to all my other sort of social media sites. And feel free to follow and engage in conversation with me. I'd love to chat. Fantastic. Well, Chriselle, I really admire your methodical approach to taking control of your career and really just wanted to thank you for telling us more about your life as a site reliability engineer, how you can apply design thinking to your career and the proactive steps you took to land your role at Dropbox. I hope things continue to go well for you there. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me, Joseph. This has been awesome. You were really someone who really helped me to make this choice and gave me some of the tools that I, I still use today. So I just really appreciate all the work you're doing. 
So I hope you enjoyed hearing Chriselle's thoughts on how to use design thinking to plan out your next career move, invest in time to create a clear and consistent career narrative, and the opportunities that come from making audacious moves. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'll be sharing my thoughts on the benefits and drawbacks of setting rigid goals. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to thank Brand Yourself for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Brand Yourself offers simple tools and services to help control what people find when they Google you. To clean up, protect, and improve how you look online, visit brandyourself.com and use promo code RELAUNCH to get 50% off a premium membership. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge for you to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel, I want to pick up on something Chriselle alluded to about how she had her head down, singularly focused on her goal of becoming a teacher, which for many years prevented her from having the space to consider whether that was really what she wanted to do with her life. I have definitely been there myself. Her story reminded me of a time earlier in my life when I was singularly focused on one day becoming a doctor. And this goal of mine really ended up shaping a lot of the educational decisions I made pretty much between the beginning of junior high school all the way through to the years after I finished college. So I kind of look back on those pre-medical years with mixed feelings because setting that rigid goal of one day wanting to make it into medical school and eventually becoming a doctor definitely provided me with a clear direction and forward trajectory that helped focus all of my educational and professional decisions during those years. But on the other hand, it kind of limited me. Those years of my life were completely focused on the sciences to the point where I was really resistant to investing any time into anything else that wasn't moving me toward that single goal. And it wasn't until many years later when I eventually realized medicine wasn't for me that I was able to actually open my eyes to the possibility of feeding my other interests in my life like journalism and marketing and entrepreneurship. And it was only when I let go of one goal that I was able to make room for other goals in my life. Now, I'm telling you all this because I think most of the time, this idea of setting clear goals is seen as being really beneficial. It's all over the popular press with people and life coaches talking all the time about goal setting and staying on target with your goals and making sure you're steadily moving toward your goals. And I definitely see the value in having clear goals, but I've also found that setting goals can be a double-edged sword. On the one hand, a clear goal can provide your life with intention and purpose. It can be the fuel behind determination that creates forward motion. But on the other hand, it can sometimes blind you to some of the other possibilities that might be better for your career and for your life. In Chriselle's case, she eventually had the wherewithal to reassess and recalibrate, which ultimately led her to find a more satisfying career. I had the same experience, leaving medicine behind to make room for other professional pursuits. Similarly, maybe there's a goal you've been working toward that's given your life useful direction up to this point, but has also prevented you from being open to other options. This takes me to a quote from Greg Kinnear. Setting goals can blind you to opportunities. You might be trying to get to point C. When opportunity B comes, you don't even look at it because you're going straight to C. So my challenge to you is to take a momentary step back from one of your goals that's been an enduring driving force in your career. To what extent does working toward that goal still make sense? And if that goal no longer serves you, now could be the time to finally let it go and make room for the pursuit of something greater. 
If you want to read more about Chriselle's career story or check out some of the techniques she used to apply design thinking to reshape her career goals, visit careerrelaunch.net slash episode 23, where you can also find a summary of the key ideas we've discussed today. While you're there, if there's a specific career change topic or story you want me to cover in a future episode, or if you have a question you want me to address, be sure to leave me a comment or voicemail at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 23. Thanks so much for subscribing to Career Relaunch, and a special thanks again to Chriselle Hartson-Hurley for joining us today. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.